0: You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at FoxSports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl, and Levi Fitzwater here with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama in our studio in Auburn, Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. We're at the end of the week Once again, Noah Gardner, Lansdall, Levi Fitzwater, the trio in the studio with you. Intern Sting behind the controls and we'll have behind enemy baselines with Agent Sting coming up later on the show as well as Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. He'll be joining us at 2.30. We got a packed show for you guys today talking Auburn football, Auburn basketball, Again, you said also for the Auburn Baseball Series starting tonight against the Florida Gators at Plainsman Park. Auburn baseball continues to be on the precipice if they haven't been pushed over it, plummeting off the cliff towards the ultimate demise of the season, but we've got a lot to talk about today as well as scanning across the SEC. Lance, it's been a couple days since you've been on the show, my man. Welcome back. How you doing?
2: I'm doing really good. You know, I've got a new Twitter handle, and so everything's just kind of going in my way it's right I'm now. So I'm so excited
1: because I have another Cleveland Brown fan in the family at Dog Pound on Twitter, and you didn't even mean to. You said, well, you've heard of the Dog Pound, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's the it's the Cleveland Browns. That That's what you call the fan base. That's what you call the stadium, the Dog Pound. And I was like, so, does this mean that you're going to be a Cleveland Brown fan with me? And you're like, I don't know. I was like, well, what teams do you like? And you started listing them all off, and I said, you have no choice with that Twitter handle. <laughs> Welcome to the Cleveland Browns fan organization. It's good to have you on board, man. I'll reserve you a seat on Sunday's when we go to watch ball games, I
2: appreciate that. You know, I've like I said a couple of days ago, I've watched the Seahawks quite a bit in my past for absolutely no reason other than I just like watching the Seahawks. I watch Atlanta, Atlanta a little bit just simply because they're close. I watch the Panthers whenever they had cam, but I've never really stuck to an NFL team. I watch the Vikings there for a minute but for for no reason in particular, but to be able to have a home and to be able to call Cleveland my NFL team, you know, it's something special, and honestly – I'm not against it. I'm not opposed to it. I like the Browns. You're I,
1: hopping on at a good time, and I'm
2: hopping on at a really good time, considering we're now making the playoffs and we're now
3: beating these. So you look at you saying like we're.
1: I love it. He's here. We're here, baby. Who is
3: this yeah, I would say I feel like I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting pushed out over here. There's just there's too many different. Uh, Levi, I'll I'm say ge- this. I'm getting overwhelmed over here. I, if they I need were a new playing, team, man.
1: if they were playing the Saints, which I know you're a Saints fan, diehard. If they were playing the Saints like they did a few years ago, I made that trip. I went to New Orleans to watch. The Browns play the Saints. Shout out to my wife for making that happen. Whenever they go back to New Orleans, road
3: trip, gentlemen.
1: Yes, sir. I'm down.
3: I mean, that was a good game, too. I mean, the the Cleveland Browns, for all purposes, should have won that game. They should have won the first
1: two games that season, and it probably changes the trajectory of the entire franchise if they do because Hugh Jackson wouldn't have gotten fired.
3: No, Yeah, Hugh Jackson wouldn't have gotten fired. And, I mean, has anybody ever – has any quarterback – Benefited less from injury than Tyrod Taylor getting hurt, replaced by Baker Mayfield, starts his career, gets stabbed in the lungs, you know, just starts mm. Justin Herbert's career off on a good note. I mean, poor Tyrod Taylor, you you, you got a feel for him. But I'm I'm hundred percent down. I've been itching. I normally go to at least a game or two every year. Didn't get to last year. I actually had plans to make the trip out west. To Las Vegas that was the first game in that stadium and we were going to go to it me and my brother and sister-in-law and then you know you just had to had to cancel some plans they weren't allowed you know fans weren't allowed in that game just yet so I'm itching to get back I'm itching to get back to my city New Orleans and go see a good Saints game in the Superdome and watch Jameis light it up.
1: Unfortunately I'm, I'm looking at the Browns schedule for this year which I, I you know who the home and away opponents are you just don't know when they're yep. playing and to me the most attractive road game to go to because i you know and i would like to go to cleveland but oftentimes i look to i look at road matchups as well to interesting places because cleveland's far away from here right so if i'm going to go as far as cleveland i might as well go as far as somewhere else and maybe Mm -hmm. go and see a, a pretty cool city out there and the most attractive road match for me this year, is in New England. They'll be going to Foxborough, Massachusetts. I just hope that's not in the wintry time of year. But, you know, sometimes you get matched up with the division. Last year they were matched up with the division with the Titans and everybody. It would have been great to be able to go to Nashville, to be able to go and catch that game. Unable to, you know, because there was a global pandemic. But that's the unfortunate nature because the past two go-rounds that the Browns have been matched up with the division, that has teams that are somewhat local to Auburn, they were – That they were not the game against the Falcons two years ago was in in Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, so the closest road trip I could go to was to New Orleans, which is still six hours away from here. And then last season it was in Nashville, which is also six hours away. But you know, like I said, global pandemic, so I haven't been able to take advantage of the opponents that Cleveland has been able to play. But. It looks like a fun schedule this year, but we, we shouldn't be boring people too long with Cleveland Browns all right, all right.
3: talk. Nashville, though, sneaky, sneaky good stadium. Like i I, I've I went to it before
1: for a yeah, soccer game.
3: I went there, uh, not this past season, the season before when the Saints played there. Me and my little brother and father made the trip up there. And it was just like, it's very open. And that's one thing that the Superdome is not. You are just so compact in, in some of those hallways. I know a lot of people have been there. It's... It's like a maze at times when you go down there, very very close together, but Nashville, you know, you have that open area. It's kind of nice just to just to feel a little bit of, you know, feel a little bit of openness, get to breathe a little bit. I don't feel like I have to sit in my seat the whole time. I'm afraid to get up and go get a concession stand cuz I might not make it back to my seat within the next 3 hours. So, Nashville, <laughs> sneaky good stadium. I think people should go check it out if you ever get an opportunity to go catch a Titans game up there.
1: Well, I went there for a soccer game which if people have listened to this show enough then they know that I'm a big soccer fan weirdo that watches at 6 a.m in the mornings to watch the Premier League over the pond but they play a tournament here every year known as like the Champions Cup and it's a preseason tournament just they're making their rounds trying to make some money in the United States benefiting off of the United States fan base it's a chance for folks to be able to go and catch a game see their favorite players rather than actually have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to make a trip out of it in Europe, which I imagine would be an absolute blast and is a bucket list item for me. But I was able to go and catch them play in a soccer game in Nashville Stadium. And I'll tell you, if you haven't been to a soccer game, which a lot of people are probably scoffing at it, and I don't mean just an Auburn University women's soccer game. I mean a legit Level professional soccer game where the place is going to pack out even if it's an MLS game which MLS fans they get into it I mean you, you can go right down the road towards Atlanta and catch what they're doing over there that is about as peak as it gets in soccer in the United States and they're putting as many fans in that stadium as they are overseas in some of the top european stadiums just because they have smaller stadiums over there but if you have not been to a soccer game you may scoff at the idea of the sport itself which is fine i'm not asking you to be a major fan of the game you will enjoy yourself i'm scoffing <laughs> you will enjoy yourself at the game
3: they put more fans in atlanta stadium for soccer games than they do for the football games because you know, Falcons cheering. are terrible
1: there's always cheering there's always not necessarily excitement on the pitch because you could get you could get stuck with a really boring game 100% those do exist as a zero zero snooze fest of course but there's always cheering there's always singing there's it's more about of a, a fan atmosphere what's going on in the stands than anything because it's always it's always a fun it's always a fun time. I always really enjoy.
3: Why do you like the boring sports? You love baseball. Love you love hockey. soccer. Like you're just over there just enjoying the boring nature of everything.
1: I think I'm so immersed <laughs> into sports in general. I love hockey. Now hockey's not a boring sport. I love hockey. I
3: watch hockey all day, though. I was about to say if I w-
2: if I had to choose between going to a hockey game or a soccer game, I would pick a hockey game ten times out of ten. I, it's I, something that it, uh, would actually interest me. Oh, I think well, it would hockey be a lot is. Of fun.
3: Hockey's fun. I love watching the good hockey. I mean, my team's terrible. My team is what noah's football team had been before you know the past few years in the cleveland browns that's what the buffalo sabers are they are just absolutely abysmal but you can catch you know you can catch some good games right now the florida panthers are hot they got the cats purring down there you got the tampa bay lightning a couple close teams that are doing good nashville made it to a Yeah, how was cup.
1: nashville the last one that you brought up in the list because most people around here yeah i, forget. I mean
3: nashville yeah. yeah i mean that they've been kind of removed from their uh they've been kind of removed from their stanley cup days i like uh i like the vegas golden knights you love that cinderella story of the expansion team coming out of nowhere going to lord stanley's cup the first week hockey the first is game. fun
1: because they actually keep a stat for hits like there is a statistic for running into people and trucking them and whatnot and of course it's within reason you can't just de-cleat someone or, or de-skate someone you know you can't just Because there are, of course, ramifications for that. You can get stuck in the penalty box and whatnot. And you can see that if there are people that are listening right now that are major hockey fans, they can see that that is probably the lowest on the totem pole among sports that I watch and keep up with. But I always enjoy myself when I do watch it. Because kind of a similarity between soccer and hockey is when a goal is finally scored. When someone finally scores in those two sports it's just it is lit for a second right the excitement is peak it's off the charts for those couple of minutes that you're celebrating that goal score opportunity so
3: and if, if there's anybody out there who's listening to us and is a big hockey fan call us and talk to us about hockey you'll our, talk to Levi not me our hockey knowledge isn't the best but I would love to hear someone you'll talk out to here Levi. I mean if you're not a fan of hockey I'll sell you on this right now the divisions You've got the Scotia NHL North Division, the Honda NHL West Division, the Discover NHL Central Division, and the Mass Mutual NHL East Division, all sponsored to make up some money from that uh, this, this past year. It's, helped, it's here to make up for losses from the pandemic, which I like. I mean, it's just like Michigan State presented by Rock and I don't
1: like
2: it. Oh, I don't like that.
3: I love oh, them I all. Like I would love, you know, Auburn Tigers presented by Mama Goldbergs. Like, I think those are awesome. Like, I love the sponsorship names.
1: Mm-mm.
3: I think they're Mm-mm. fun. I love Not it. here for
1: it not here for it well let's actually talk about
3: something a little
1: bit more locally related here but i, I enjoyed that conversation that was, we just went, that we was just, solid we
3: just, we just went off it's friday we're just excited to be here we just love talking about whatever we want to talk about
1: wendell green jr yesterday we didn't really get into this topic much but wendell green jr officially signing with the Almer tigers so auburn has locked down now zep jasper and wendell green jr as well as I believe Walker Kessler has signed officially. Am I wrong on that? Has he signed officially? I've not seen that. So okay.
2: I, I, I can speak it. to that. But but yeah, Wendell Green and and Jasper both coming to Auburn, as far as guard play is concerned, you know, with Desi Sills being another addition, I'm not surprised the more I look at it that Trey alexander decided to leave i completely understand why he would want to go somewhere else and maybe potentially get some more playing time maybe a, a team like oklahoma who was recruiting him before he committed to auburn i could definitely see him uh go to the big 12 there um but auburn has brought in some talent now as far as transfer talent is concerned and we've talked about this is like they're getting dudes from eastern kentucky and college of charleston but like they're still pull, uh, pulling in talent and then you have guys like Five star centered Walker Kessler from North Carolina. So it, it, Bruce Pearl has an eye for talent specifically at the guard spot. And so if he's pulling guys from Eastern Kentucky and College of Charleston, there is a very good reason that he is doing that. Wendell Green actually led all freshmen. Uh, in assists last season at 146 I believe and he's going to do very similar things to what Jared Harper did he's going to be able to shoot the three ball from long range he's going to be able to drive to the basket and I think he's actually a little bit more physical than Harper as far as far as taking those hits whenever he's going to make a layup I think Harper uh, was definitely was a little bit quicker and would just try and get by you in green from based off of watching film that I've seen he likes to initiate contact whenever he's going to the basket and he finishes hard he's got some incredible highlights if y'all want to go watch those on YouTube and then again he's got that long ball and as far as ball dominant point guards go he's very very ball dominant and I'm really interested to see how he and Desi Sills in that backcourt match because I, I, I don't I just don't see it I don't see how that works out Auburn's got a lot of 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 personalities on this on this team and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think there are gonna be a lot of players that are gonna be asking for the ball. And I think at the end of the day, you know, Bruce Pearl's a chemistry guy and if he can, he can get these guys to work well together and score consistently, Auburn's gonna be scoring in bunches next season.
1: Yeah, I don't see anything at the moment about Walker Kessler having actually signed his agreement to play at Auburn, but I, I, I don't know that you know, maybe maybe that's just something that hasn't been reported yet. Who knows? But we did get press releases this past week about Wendell Green Jr. and Zepp Jasper, who are also transfers, signing their financial aid agreement to play at Auburn. I know sometimes this takes a little bit, but just saying. Right, so you got to go through a,
3: You got to go through a lot of formalities. I mean, you, people also forget that these are students that are going to have to like go through the enrollment process, get the financial aid situated, and like actually get signed into not just the Auburn program but the university itself. So sometimes this takes a little bit and I would expect we'd probably hear from Walker, Walker Kessler like a, an official press release probably around like Monday Tuesday because I mean it took a while for Zeb Jasper and Wendell Green Jr. to sign theirs after the announcement that they were coming to Auburn I
1: don't even want to put a timeline on it because I don't think there's any way to know like, it'll ta- it'll
3: take a little bit like I, it'll take a while when it does happen
1: going back to what you said about the different personalities this is an interesting team a lot of personalities a lot of different ball dominant players. Bruce Pearl has his work cut out for him next year, and I don't think that's being discussed enough. The narrative right now around Auburn's basketball program is, wow, look at how loaded it is. Look at how much talent. Look at how, they've, look at how they've reloaded after losing so much off of last year's basketball team, which is true. Kudos to Auburn. They did a great job with that, and you would much rather be in Auburn situations than some of the other teams in the country who were unable to reload who did lose out on the massive free agency sweepstakes around college basketball we're not faulting Auburn for that I just think it's an interesting point to bring up because personalities do matter culture fits do matter and how these guys work together and gel. you just look at Kentucky they can recruit phenomenally every single year and be in the top five and recruit five of the top 15 players in the country to come and play for them but if they don't gel together then you end up 9 and 16 like they were this year or whatever their record was it was definitely 7 7 or 8 games or so below 500 you end up like that not saying that's going to happen with auburn because i think bruce pearl is one of the best coaches in terms of being able to manage these these difficult decisions these difficult decisions about minutes about how to balance playing time but also i think he's he's a masterful team builder and he knows what he's doing that's we it. haven't we haven't seen bruce pearl really run into this issue yet at any program that I, I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can say that we've seen Bruce Pearl have this issue from a chemistry standpoint with the players that he's recruited over time. I
2: agree with you. I think if you look at this starting lineup individually, they would be ball dominant players and they would they would be the star on their respective teams if they were all playing at individual schools. I think Wendell Green, obviously, you look at his numbers at Eastern Kentucky, ball dominant point guard. Desi Sills, just based off what we've seen on Twitter, he wants to be a ball dominant player wherever he goes and he's going to commit to Auburn and I expect he expects to get a lot of shots up this season. Alan Flanagan saw last season, kind of the leader of this team, a ball-dominant small forward slash point guard. Jabari Smith, one of the best players in the country probably this season, going to be Kevin Durant. He's going to be a ball-dominant power forward. And then you have Walker Kessler, who wanted to run the floor and wanted to shoot more threes and wanted to be more involved in the North Carolina offense last season. And Bruce Pearl is telling him, the fifth guy hey you're also going to be able to do that as well so Auburn's either going to score a load of point this points this season or they're going to have chemistry issues and I think
1: we're going to see a little bit of that early on but this team has potential to be offensively elite and going back to what I said I don't think at Auburn at least I'll speak for what we've seen of Bruce Pearl at Auburn because it the game has changed so much since he was at Tennessee and then before that at UW-Milwaukee so we won't speak back to those times but talking about his stint here at Auburn looking at Bruce Pearl I don't believe he's ran into an issue with chemistry at any point we've seen players come and go maybe maybe because they weren't happy with their situations he's rolled with those punches he's handled when players have transferred out like Mustafa Heron and he's replaced it and they the Auburn Tigers were better for it the basketball program went to a final four after Mustafa Heron left right and I'm not saying that Mustafa Heron left because of chemistry issues or, or anything like that I'm just saying that Bruce Pearl has handled when Auburn has lost guys due to transfer he's handled when they've they, he's handled it very well when there's been a lot of talented players on the roster at one point we've yet to see Auburn really run into an issue because there's been too many mouths to feed I don't think that that has been an issue for Auburn, it's not for some, Auburn just
3: yet I mean <laughs> they've never really had that problem I mean if anything you were hoping that You would have at least one mouth that you wanted to feed, at least in the early stages of this, because you were still trying to get talent. This does appear to be a
1: unique year. This this, does seem to be the most talented and most. I I don't like the word needy here
3: because I I just ball dominant and also most mouths to feed is what is what comes up when I think about this team this year. And it's something that we haven't seen. It just kind of reminds me of like the early Miami Heat days with LeBron, where Eric Spolstra had the the. He had the problem of having to try to figure out all these guys who... Three-headed monster. Yeah, and now you see it with Steve Nash up in Brooklyn. He's going to have to figure out what to do with Kyrie, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Blake Griffin, guys like that. So it's going to be fun to see. It's going to be different for Auburn fans. And I'll I'll keep saying this. We don't know if this Auburn team is going to be good, but they are sure going to be talented. I'm I'm going to bet that they're going to be fun to watch, too, with the amount of talent they have.
1: Also, I think it may be even a good bet to say that Auburn's going to be good, but... Do we know if they're going to be great? That is true. Are they going to pull in Alabama and fall short of expectations in the postseason, or are they going to rise and climb through the NCAA tournament and make a run similar to what they did a couple of years ago? All to there, there, there's it's just it's too long. It's it, it's too long till next till next basketball season. Can Excited. we can we hit a can we hit a do over button? I don't. I I've watched Click too many times. You know the Adam Sandler movie to to fast forward because. That, that obviously you know cherish the time that you have right now. We'll just enjoy these months and enjoy the sports that we've got at the moment. But looking forward to next year's basketball season just to see the semblance of talent with Auburn's basketball program. It's unlike anything we've ever seen before. We'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Lance Daw, and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Phone lines are open. 34-321-1390 is the number to call. Once again, 34-321-1390. Find Levi Dahl on Twitter at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Find Lance on Twitter at Daw Pound.
0: <laughs> I
1: love it. He's a, he's a, he's a member of the Cleveland Browns fan base. Now now we just got to get you some gear. We got to get you some gear. I don't know what we're gonna do about that because I'm I'm wearing when it's when it's winter time I'm wearing brown stuff like almost every day. Y'all know I got that quarter inch pullover.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, love well, it. Well, you know me. Like every other day, I show up here wearing a hoodie. It's not the case today, but you know I wouldn't be mad at a Cleveland Browns hoodie. So we may need to may need to cop some merch.
1: We do. We do. I'm sure that uh, I, I, I'm sure we can find something. I'm, I'm sure we can find something. I'm just I'm just happy that I'm not alone anymore because I, I've gone to you have to go to restaurants to be able to watch Browns games because uh, unless you get NFL Sunday ticket but I'm ai I ascribe to YouTube TV so I don't get to watch the Browns at home unless they're on local cable television or they're they're the local channel so I typically about 90 percent of the season I'm watching see recent years has been better though because they've gotten some Thursday night games some Monday night games and some Sunday night games so I've, I've been able to get them national broadcast but about 90% of the season I'm typically at I'm typically somewhere watching the ball game and occasionally I'll run into a Browns fan and it's gotten to the point now where like I remember them when I see them though because there's only like 3 that I've all time ever met and it's just like hey man how's it going you know how's the kids how you doing like you doing good it's good to see you again man and then and then the year that Baker Mayfield was turned around you know I, that was the year that I met the first Browns fan that I've ever seen in Auburn and I met the guy. And we, me and him. It, it was the Raiders game that the Browns
3: blew that year. They had a
1: it, it, and there was a fumble. There was a strip sack, and the refs didn't call it. Do you remember that game, Levi? I Browns think, got hosed in that
3: game. I feel like I remember that one. Several blown like one calls of, yeah. by the
1: officials, like egregiously blown calls that if you watch replay, it was completely obvious. I mean, so obvious that it was like braves level obvious where the guy clearly did not touch the plate it was that kind of obvious and i remember leaving it was an excruciating game watching the browns blow a two touchdown lead and me and the browns fan were just you know we were like well at least we got a quarterback lo and behold that was the year before freddie kitchens became head coach and then we were wondering well do we really have a quarterback like no we have a quarterback we had a quarterback we just just had a a quarterback
3: just didn't have a head coach yeah Yeah, i mean it's it's awful when you have to go through you know a, a call like that i mean it's almost like you know you know they don't call pass interference on the goal line that was kind of bad too
1: <laughs> continuing on in our show today coming up at 2 30 we got christian clemente of auburnsports.com coming up in about four minutes here on on the line talking auburn basketball's new additions to the team this is a topic that i've saved for now auburn basketball where have they gotten better where are they worse Let's start with where are they better with these new additions coming in after we've seen Sharif Cooper, Justin Powell, Turbo Jones, handful of guys. I know there's more than just that that have left. Hard to run through all of them here, but you see how this surplus of players leave, and now you bring in some new guys. Where's this basketball program at? Where have they improved?
3: I mean, I, I think they're better at... The depth in the guard position, like the, the guard, and it's weird to say that because, like, I don't think they're better overall. Because I mean, you lost Sharif Cooper, or you're not, you don't have a better player because you lost Sharif Cooper at point guard. But you have some sort of backup depth. One of the killers that Auburn had was when Sharif Cooper and Justin Powell weren't playing. You didn't really have a true point guard to come in, and at least now you have some guard play that can come in. You had a little bit more depth. You got guys like Wendell Green Jr., Zeb Jasper, who probably will take. I think he's more of a two guard but he could still play a little bit of one Desi Sills a guy who could probably come in and play some one as well it keeps Alan Flanagan off of the one and that's what matters I think that's going to be important I think that's a good thing for Auburn if you can keep Alan Flanagan from having to play the one because that is not his position and you want the guy to succeed and if he wants if he's going to succeed he's going to be playing the three or the two at points in the game and I think a three at that wing position is better for him so I think depth at the guard position is is a lot better obviously.
1: You said something that I disagree with, though, about Auburn not necessarily having a better best player. I don't think we know that yet because well, Jabari I mean, Smith is the best player well,
3: Auburn's ever recruited. I meant from just, I meant from just at the point guard room. I didn't oh, mean, okay. yeah, like just in the point guard and like guard position. I would agree
1: with that. There is not another guard on the roster that is better than Sharif. Cooper. Yes, that's
3: what I, that's what I was going for. Like, I think. But J- overall,
1: best player, Jabari Smith Jabari might Smith be that may guy. May end up being. The best and, player and we've ever he, seen at Auburn,
3: and I think he will by the end of the year. Just because, like I, the kid's so talented in the position he plays and how he plays, well, it could allow him to do that.
1: I don't want to put him in front of Charles Barkley though, because Charles Barkley's an all timer, and he also played at Auburn for more than one season. So
3: modern, modern yes. guys, like within you know at least within like the past like what two decades, like it's been you know. He'll probably be the best player since Charles Barkley, let's be honest.
1: Front court's clearly better. Jabari Smith makes it so alongside Walker Kessler. This may be the best front court in terms of scoring potential that we've seen at Auburn in a long time. And I mean all the way back to like the 2000s, early 2000s, like when Auburn was ranked number one, late 90s. Those teams that Auburn came in as preseason number one was on the cover of magazines at that time when Auburn was a premier basketball institution for just a short little bit there and were, you know, potential one seeds of the NCAA tournament. But under Bruce Pearl for sure, this is the front court that has the most scoring potential we've seen under Bruce Pearl. I was about to say I think for me it's gotta be the
2: center position that has improved the most. True centers on Auburn's roster last year collectively averaged five point seven points per game and I think Walker Kessler is going to average about double that this season. So the center position definitely for me, specifically offensively. I have that. hit the
1: nail on the head too, though, with backcourt depth also playing an important part because after Sharif Cooper, what'd right. you have? You had so many injuries this year. On the other side of this break, we've got Christian Clemente, vomertsports.com. Stay tuned for that conversation coming up.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dawn, on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net. And on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page, followed on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's Sports.net. As promised, we head to our phone lines now for Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Christian, happy Friday. How you doing today, my man?
4: I'm doing good. How about yourself, Noah?
1: Doing excellent. It brightens up our Friday to have you on. Yet again, another Friday, man. I'm just blessed to have you on on the radio with us here today and we are about done with spring across the country most programs have wrapped it up auburn has so let's dig in here looking at auburn and then maybe we'll take a trip around the sec for a bit but looking at auburn leaving the spring kind of put the spring in review for me here maybe areas that you think auburn can improve moving forward and areas that you feel auburn's pretty set at
4: yes i think one area that Obviously, Auburn fans are going to know it needs to improve the offensive line. That was showcased on A-Day. Not really too much of a surprise there, but we'll have to see. Auburn has apparently warmed up to the idea of taking an offensive tackle out of the transfer portal if they can find somebody. Um, initially, they really didn't want to because they have so many upperclassmen, but they've apparently warmed up to the idea and kind of realized, hey, we might need to do something here. And Then the biggest takeaway for me from the A-Day game was the wide receiver group. They have a lot of work to do, Um, and that is a group that Auburn is heavily trying to find a veteran out of the transfer portal as well. Um, They looked very inexperienced. They didn't look like they knew the new offense overly well and looked like they had a lot of work to do. Now, granted, there were some injuries at that position. They were missing three guys, but that is a position that's going to need to be worked on. Um, As for standouts, um, I would say the defense as a whole looks pretty good. The secondary is obviously stacked and they might be getting another guy out of the transfer portal soon with Donovan Kaufman out of Vanderbilt. Um, Linebackers looked good. Chandler Wooten looked good after he missed all last season. I would say the defense as a whole looked good. And then the running backs, I would say, looked good as well. Tank Bigsby, you obviously know what you're getting out of him. He's the best player on Auburn's roster, probably a future first-round draft pick. And then Sean Shivers looks very comfortable in this new offense. So I think that one-two punch at running back is very good but they do need to get a little bit of depth at that position still.
1: We've had several callers ask us this question throughout the week, and we've brought this up as well, especially on Monday when we were talking about the A Day game. It was different than what we're used to, obviously, under the previous regime, which is to be expected, but what did you make of Auburn's spring game versus how some other spring games are held in the conference? For example, Bo Nix, throws the ball just 20 times but if you look at Alabama and Georgia spring games they're throwing the ball much more than that and you think that maybe Auburn would want to protect the running backs and not run the football as much because that's an area that you feel confident in and then also the eight minute quarters no running clock it just it seemed like an odd eight day game than maybe what we're accustomed to do you have any insight on that
4: yeah it was definitely a bit of an odd format I thought the same thing um only thing that really comes to mind is I think there were some things they kind of wanted to want to keep quiet about about the offense a little bit you know um, they talked a lot about the tight ends being utilized um, leading up to 8A and we saw the tight ends in the offense a lot but they only caught two passes one from Tyler Fromm and one from Landon King I would expect that to be higher in the fall um, but I think they were trying to conceal that a little bit and also That is an area I just talked about. The wide receivers were struggling a little bit, so I think they're going to have to lean on the tight ends a little bit. So I just think for A-Day they were trying to conceal some things and kind of keep a little bit quiet on what they wanted to do. But honestly, your guess is about as good as mine on that one. It was definitely interesting.
1: (laughs) Quarterback snaps under center. We only saw that a handful of times, and it really wasn't often. I would say the snaps – the, the percentage split between the two I mean it's shotgun it had to be like 90 percent to 10 percent under center and my question to you is is that something that you think they were trying to conceal do you do you believe that'll play a larger role in Auburn's offense as they install more elements of it into it as, as we go on through the offseason and, and get into fall camp
4: yeah I think that's definitely a very fair assessment I think 90-10 is a fair assessment too um, I would expect that number to kind of I wouldn't say even out, but it'll get closer to 50-50 in the fall. Um, That was one thing that Mike Bobo talked a lot about. He said, you know, none of these guys have experience doing it. Some of these guys haven't literally ever done it in high school. So that's something they just kind of had to learn. And obviously the plays they have to install as well. So I would expect that um, the quarterbacks to be going under center a little bit more in the fall.
1: Switching over to basketball now, something that we were just discussing, and, and you may not have any info on this, so feel free to say feel free to say that you don't. But we're curious because we were trying to find some 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 info on this. Obviously, Auburn. This past week, we've seen two press releases come in that Zeb Jasper and Wendell Green Jr. have signed their financial aid agreements to transfer to Auburn. Where are things at in the process for Walker Kessler, North Carolina transfer for Auburn? That the the high profile guy coming in.
4: Yeah, so Walker Kessler, um, Auburn was planning to announce um, him today, I believe, but because of the news with Terrence Clark yesterday, they decided it was best to finish announcing the transfers next week.
1: Okay, well, then, well, there you go. That answers that question. I right. appreciate it, my man. Thank you. <laughs> it's always good to have it's always
3: good to have someone who has the answers for us.
4: Yes, and, and
1: and our thoughts and prayers go out to go out to the family of of uh, Terrence Clark because that is um, that is just a tragic situation and you hate to see it I know a lot of people in the basketball community are really banged up about that so just wanted to make that statement as well saying you know our thoughts and prayers go out to them and into that family and, and dealing with dealing with the heartache and, and that tragedy still talking Auburn basketball here with you Desi Sills committed this week were you shocked to see that and how does this affect the Auburn basketball roster because we've kind of already seen the effects of it Trey Alexander on the way out
4: yeah so I'll touch on Trey Alexander first that was kind of a situation where um he was really excited to come in. You know, he saw all these guys, Sharif Cooper, Justin Powell, all these guys are leaving. He's like, perfect. I've got to pass straight to a starting spot and I'm be able to shine year one. And then um, Bruce kept him in the loop. He's like, Hey, I'm bringing these other transfer guys in and it kind of shocked Trey. He was a little confused why he was doing it and didn't really understand it. So he ended up requesting for his release and Bruce granted it to him. And I think that's a situation where, it's very fair to Auburn for Auburn fans to say that's a major blow to next year's team because he is such a good shooter, but I don't think it's fair to have any lost confidence for next year's team. I'm confident that Bruce Pearl and his staff will bring in somebody good, and they kind of already did with Desi Sills. Um, towards the end of last year, he did really struggle. If you look at his numbers, they're not outstanding, but he was dealing with a shoulder injury. And The one thing that I think he brings is, you know, Bruce brought in Zeb Jasper. He brought in Wendell Green, guys from these smaller conferences who don't have a ton of experience. But you're bringing in Desi Sills, who has that SEC experience. He can be more of a leader, more of a veteran. He knows what it takes to get through a SEC conference schedule. So I think that is a good addition there. And then now with Trey gone, it does open up another spot for them to go raid the transfer portal again and see who else they can find.
1: Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com, Still monitoring that J.T. Thor situation, of course, because that affects a scholarship slot at the moment. Auburn has just the one if J.T. Thor were to return if he leaves. Well, Auburn's back with two. Something that I said once we saw Trey Alexander leave this year's recruiting class. I wondered, did this open the door back up for Scoot Henderson to reclassify to come to Auburn because at the moment there there was only one scholarship available left, and that was – you're kind of waiting on to see what J.T. Thor did because if J.T. Thor came back, well, then that scholarship was taken. Well, now there's one available no matter what. Did the Trey Alexander news open things up maybe a little bit more for Scoot Henderson, or do you think Auburn maybe goes more in the direction of a wing?
4: Um, So the situation with that is I, I really don't think J.T. Thor is coming back. So that one scholarship spot has pretty much always been Scoot's spot. They've been waiting on him, hoping that he decides to reclassify. That's kind of a situation where you know he could decide to reclassify ten minutes from now, or he could decide to reclassify in July, or he could never end up doing it. So Auburn's just kind of playing the waiting game there, and they're they've pretty much promised to hold that last scholarship spot until he makes up his mind on what they're doing. Um, with um, Thor most likely leaving, in my opinion. I would expect them to probably go after a win, you know, maybe go after a two or a three. But I know they were targeting uh, James Akinyo, I want to say his last name is from Arizona, but he ended up committing into Baylor. So they're gonna have to look again um, for someone else in the portal.
1: So it kind of seems like it's a waiting game for Thor. Then if they've if they've got that one scholarship held open right now for for Henderson it's kind of kind of seems like it's way to game for Thor to see if they can actually go and actually get somebody else right
4: yeah I think they're probably just going to have to wait for Thor um I mean like I said I really don't expect him to come back but you also can't really fill his scholarship spot and then him say hey I want to come back and you're in a situation where you're full so yep,
3: they'll
4: leave that one spot open for Scoot, if I had to guess and then the last spot I guess they'll just leave it open for Thor and go from there
1: well christian i appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show with us today first of all tell everybody where they can find the baseball coverage this weekend and then tell everybody where they can find all the content that you're putting out
4: yes you can find our baseball stuff with uh brian matthews at bmatau on twitter and then you can find mine and brian's stuff at auburnsports.com along with me uh on twitter at clemente underscore
1: christian i appreciate it my man i hope you have a great weekend
4: thank you you guys as well
1: That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com on the line with us as he is every Friday. Some great insights from Christian as well. Every Friday, like I said, we we always enjoy having the dude on. Very blessed to have a great Friday guest such as Christian Clemente, and I always love talking basketball and football with him. We will wrap up our number one on the other side of this break behind enemy baselines with Agent Sting coming up. Stay with us for that.
0: On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7.
1: Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Got about eight minutes left in the first hour of the show. This first hour has flown by, gentlemen
3: it has i mean it's definitely went by really really quickly i mean it's inching towards that weekend now that i'm uh incapable of working my other job i get to look forward to the weekend it's a friday and a saturday i get to just do whatever i want to do
1: everybody's working for the weekend i'm glad that lance the child in the room knows knows
3: that song i didn't know who mariano rivera was though
1: no sting and lance both did not know who mariano rivera and that's probably a big hit to y'all's credentials so i probably shouldn't be saying that but still Next thing, next thing, look, I, I know Lance is not going to know who this is, but next thing you're going to tell me that you don't know who, uh, is it Trevor Hoffman, the, the, old, the old school Padres?
3: Oh, Trevor Hoffman would have been better than Mariano Rivera if he played in New York. Oh, yeah. Mariano Rivera overrated. I mean, let's be honest. Overrated guy. Do it in the postseason. <laughs> Which is where he did all of his damage. Yes. I know you are just messing. Yeah, I just I got to me- mess. I got to mess. Mario Ver, the only player in MLB Hoffman's history. Trevor Hoffman's
1: in the in the Hall of Fame. Did, did y'all guys did you guys know who I am talking about? I've heard his name before, but I
5: couldn't tell you who he was. Yeah, same. Oh man, sorry man. It's it's <laughs> it's,
3: it's, it's it's a it's a different era. No, we're old. We like like just 10 have to accept, years accept it. Ago. I
5: don't know.
3: What I mean, that. it was
1: a different era.
3: It was I mean, like ten years ago. You got to think the age disparity between us and them. Like we're we're old now. Like we just got to accept career it. Career
1: ended in two thousand and ten. So it was a little bit more than 10 years ago, but still, man, these were the guys that like... I was eight years old. These were the guys that I grew up playing old school MLB video games, and I used to do fantasy drafts, and I would make it where I drafted first, and I got to draft every single player I wanted first, and so I had the best team, of course. And then the few times where I would like come in second and like pre-season, preseason projections, and I'm like, "What are y'all talking about? I'm the best team in the league." You know, that's <laughs> back when like John Dowd was on those games. Do you remember that, Levi? Because they didn't have Barry Barry Bonds
3: in there. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I do remember those. It's like it's kind of like now when. Uh you play Madden, and they don't don't have. Uh, they didn't have Sean Payton in there for a while. They didn't have. Bill Belichick. They don't Belichick. have Bill Belichick yeah. still. They still don't have Bill Belichick because he He's
1: won't he won't give his the the. Of course, Bill Belichick would be the guy who would not give the the name, the cons- image, and likeness
3: <laughs> consent. Except Barry Bonds is a little words. bit uh, a little bit different, a little yeah. bit different situation. But it's it's like reminiscent of that because they're not in the game. You are like these guys should be in the game.
1: Staying on the topic here of baseball, but transition to this to Auburn baseball it's time for behind enemy baselines with agent sting here to give us a scouting report on the Florida Gators three-game series before we get into it though note got the press release about this a couple of uh, a couple of segments ago Auburn in Florida game two tomorrow the saturday game postponed at the moment to 6 p.m they'll reevaluate at noon tomorrow tomorrow's weather forecast they decided to move it back to a night game i'm a fan we should have night i i i'm a fan of this we should have night baseball all the time i don't know why we don't do
3: that i totally agree any i mean it should be any like anything before noon like just get it out of the way like put everything late at night like eight or nine o'clock is like the perfect time for me to watch baseball
5: sting what you got on the florida gators All right, so we'll just start off their record. Uh, Florida is 26 and 11, nine and six in the SEC. Interesting here. This this is a huge series for Florida because next weekend they play Vanderbilt in Gainesville in a three-game series. Right now, Florida is two games behind Vanderbilt in the SEC East.
1: On top of that, Florida's done some work to get back in the mix. I believe they're on a five or six-game win streak. Six games at the moment. Yeah, including some midweek games, of course. Two midweek games, and then they had the series last weekend. Why am I drawing a blank on who they played?
5: Was it, it was Tennessee. it was Missouri they swept Missouri, Missouri or Tennessee? yes they, yeah. they
1: swept Missouri the last loss that they encountered was games one and two against Tennessee two series ago so yes they swept Missouri played in a couple of midweek games as well and then they took the last game of that Tennessee series and that's why they are at a six game win streak coming in but they got to be feeling good about themselves because Florida had that sweep against South Carolina several weeks ago as well but after the South Carolina sweep I believe they took two out of three against Ole Miss and that was part of the descent of the Ole Miss baseball program at the moment that sees them outside of the top 10 in some polls so Florida's on an upward trajectory among teams in the SEC East they're not too far behind Tennessee and Vanderbilt
5: yeah and they're going up after kind of falling at first they were I believe number one in a lot of preseason polls when the when the year started and they fell to at least as far as barely within the top 20 nationally they're their game notes have them listed as number 15. Auburn's website has them listed as number 10. You know, mo- a lot of guys like to use the highest ranking. Yeah. So, Look,
1: shame, right? Like, I'm not, not even in the top 20.
5: I'm going to i I'm gonna call him a top 10. Whatever. But yeah, <laughs> Auburn's over here like, we have a losing record. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when you're, when you're number one at the start of the season, it's kind of bad. But yeah, um, Florida's Post-season's coach. Postseason's what matters. Right, yeah. Oh, and Florida has a great postseason coach, Kevin O'Sullivan. He's in his 14th year has 573 73 total wins at Florida and has been to seven College World Series.
1: Florida, one of the most storied programs in all of college baseball. Mm-hmm.
5: And one national championship in 2017, too. And also under O'Sullivan in his 14 years, Florida has been the best team in the SEC record-wise with a 62.7% winning percent in l- league play. I'll say this about Florida, though. It seems like in recent memory, starting back to
1: when Butch Thompson was here in his first Year where he really made a splash the year after his first season, his second year on the Plains. If you all remember, that team took all three games against Florida, swept them. I can't remember what year that was. I think that was 2017, maybe, that Auburn did that. The spring of 17, Auburn took all three games against Florida to open up the SEC season. This Florida team, since that moment, in my mind, they've been more beatable now than they were before that moment and i'm not saying that auburn had anything to do with that i'm just saying in recent history florida has been more beatable than what they were prior to that moment but still you right. bring up 2017 that still won the national championship right
5: and because that was, that's what i was going to say if, it, if that was 2017 that was the year that florida won the national championship yeah and i also came- believe
1: that was the year that auburn played them in a super regional no, was, that was, was 2018. It was 2018, Excuse me. and
5: this, this series this weekend is actually the first meeting since that game, since Florida beat Auburn in 11 innings, I believe, to win the Super Regional. And the walk-off off the glove. Yeah, I, I wasn't in the room for that. I, I stepped out for a second, and in the space that it took me to get a drink or something, they had to hit the home run. Why I would was, you leave at that moment? Because I thought it was safe. I, I don't remember. It was. It was. It was a while ago, man. Mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> Mistakes
3: were made. True. True.
5: Yeah. Fatality. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to watch that movie. i was I'm watch- that I'm movie. I'm just actually, came out tonight. I was like,
3: I'm actually watching that Sunday. I've got yeah. plans to watch. It I'm Sunday. excited
5: for it. I, I saw the first seven minutes. The other day, they released the first seven minutes of the movie. But anyway, Maybe
1: you are talking about Mortal Kombat.
5: Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Finish him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, series history. I was actually really surprised with this. Auburn leads the all-time series against Florida. Really? Yeah, 133 and 117 and two, including 64 and 36 in Auburn. Wow. That's crazy. Let's go. Yeah. All right, and this is running out of time here. I will go some players to watch. Got uh, two pitchers here, and it was actually really interesting to me. I'd, it seems like Florida doesn't have the best pitching in the world. I don't I could only find two guys Their on the ERA roster.
1: is contradictory to opponent's batting average. Opponents are batting two twenty seven against them, right. but the ERA at three point eight eight, and we went over the starters yesterday. All of them above uh, all of them are above a 3.0 ERA.
5: Yeah, I could only find two that were under four. I got a bullpen guy Jack Leftwich with a three oh two ERA and Tommy Mace, who's a starter, uh three point seven eight ERA this season. Now both but of those guys no record. Yeah. Right. And both of those those guys have a lot of strikeouts, at least compared to walks too so it's it's kind of odd I, they, they seem to give up a lot of runs and they tend to make up for it in offense is what it seems like right now you said they were on a six game winning streak in four of those games the last four they've had a double digit number of hits in all four games in a row and in that streak they have two guys batting over 400 and another guy's at 391 Nathan Hickey
1: yeah he's, he's the player to watch on yeah. the offensive side yeah he for sure. he, the plate, he's, he's, he's the best
5: that's... overall hitter for sure
1: kind of scaling this back a little bit since it's the end of the segment i'll say this and thank you sting that's a great scouting report yep Auburn better bring the bats this weekend
3: 100 percent. Got because
1: hit. You, you ran out of pitching and this team's gonna hit so regardless of how good your pitching is this team will hit so that does it for hour number one of on the line we'll be back in just a few moments we've got hour number two coming up at three o'clock stay tuned here on 1067 and on fox sports central alabama
0: You are on the line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Silicaga. and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at FoxSports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Lance Dawn, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390. 3, 3, 3, 1, That'll get you through to On the Line. Once again, 334-321-1390. 3, 3, 3, 1, Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner at Levi Fitzwater. Find Lance on Twitter, at Pound. Excellent Twitter handle. I was so proud, and you didn't even mean to link it to Cleveland. I didn't. I didn't. I actually uh, I didn't even think about it.
2: Yeah, I finally sat down. This is magic. with a group of with a group of friends. Like, okay, Twitter handle time, and we we have come up with different things in the past, and then finally Daw Pound is just like, oh, I've used that before in the and like I've used that in the past for different things. Why can't it just be my
1: Twitter handle? So there you go. Starting off, hour number two here. <laughs> just going to gloss over that. Starting off, it's great to have you I, back. I love, man. I love,
3: I always call it whenever I talk to like my brother about things, I call it dead fishing you. I love like doing something ridiculous because I know that every now and then you figured out that you can't predict some of the things I do. And every now and then when I get to throw you off, like throw you off guard a little bit, it always makes me laugh whenever I can just, I see it in your eyes and you get caught off guard and you're like, did he really just do that? I don't know how to
1: respond to it, so I just gloss <laughs> over it. I just keep moving forward. But it's good to have you back because when you make your predictions, I know you tend to uh, tend to have some type of sound effect, so that's excellent. And if you can do it, good for you, right? Yes. Starting off hour number two here, a topic that I saved for today that I asked Justin Ferguson yesterday on our phone call with him, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. And if you missed that show, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast I asked him, what's something that Auburn did well in the spring? What is something that Auburn really didn't do that well in the spring? Guys, let's continue to review the spring here. What's something, let's start with the good news, what's something Auburn did well this spring?
3: I mean, I think they did well with, you know, getting Bo Nix would looked to be comfortable. I think that was something that they did very well with, that he looked a little bit more comfortable in the system. He does look like he
1: operationally you guy was still having to scramble
3: yes like he looked like he he looked operationally like from the fact of being able to run that offense it did look like he picked it up pretty quickly like at least in what you know they've installed in the spring that's not everything it was vanilla it's spring day we got to be honest with that but at least it looks like he can run this offense and what they're doing so I that's that's a good one for me I think that's something that they did well among some other things I I mean I like what they're doing with seems like they realize that Tank Bigsby is the guy um, I think they would know that I didn't
1: that. like that they used him so much in That's, the spring game
3: I don't like that they used him that much I would have
1: rather seen Devin Barrett run with the ones to know what he truly can do behind an offensive line that can actually block for him that also wasn't facing the first team defense I, yeah I can agree with that I, I was playing yeah. the inferior offensive line unit against the superior defensive unit
2: and he still ran for like 37 yards so, it, but on
1: how many carries? At what cost? At what cost? No, it definitely it wasn't five it was or six. at five or yeah, six because I, I I kept seeing him get swallowed in the inside of the line. I can look it up for you real quick.
3: I mean, it would be nice. Like I like I said, I enjoyed that they they know what they have in Tate Bigsby. It was nice to see him, but I do agree with you a little bit on that. Like maybe not run him so much. Let Sean Shivers let Barrett. Still especially in the second yeah, half. Especially Barrett because he hasn't. He hasn't had the, the reps. He
2: so he had 35 yards on six carries, actually.
1: That's not too bad. That's not
2: bad. I'd like to see him with the first team offensive line to see what he can actually do, like you mentioned. I think he's going to be very versatile in this offense, and he could be a breakout
3: player.
1: Man, he got that much?
3: I'm surprised, running honestly. With, yeah, running with that that line.
1: I wasn't overly impressed when I was watching him play, and I thought it was more of an offensive line issue than it was him because they really did do a great job blocking for him but still well good for Devin Barrett maybe he will get some touches this upcoming year I think he's a guy that can emerge I said that he would climb the depth chart but now I saw Sean I saw Sean Shivers look man that is a tongue twister I saw Sean Shivers look really really (laughs) comfortable in that offense
3: I mean that's good I mean you running back you can't have enough like when you're talking quarterbacks if you have two quarterbacks you have no running back or you have no quarterbacks running back's the opposite you can never have too many bodies back there That's to run, run You almost always need two. Like Even at the NFL level, you're seeing that approach where you at least have two. Even the best running backs in the game, the ones that don't get hurt often, you see it with Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. They didn't have a, a one-two punch, and those guys get hurt all the time. You see it with like Alvin Kamara where you can bring Latavius Murray in. You're Cleveland Browns. You got Nick Chubb. You got Kareem Hunt. That transitions to the college level, you need more bodies because if not, you're going to run these guys into the ground. Don't forget about De'Ernest Johnson. Hey, do a Johnson. He's a pretty good guy right there.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I love that. Um, something that I think they did really well, the one thing that I think they actually did really well this spring, I, I don't think that they did really well on anything outside of this. The one thing I think they did particularly well in this weekend, and not just this weekend but across the entire spring, the defense positionally, mm-hmm. they looked like they knew what was going on there's been a scheme shift on that side of the football there there wasn't any blown coverage guys were always close to the play they found the football well especially the defensive backs everybody just seemed to be in the right position now with that being said they weren't being they weren't being tested by the offense considering it was the second team offense but on top of that the game plan was vanilla But they looked really comfortable. They knew where they were supposed to be at. They were in the right place. They flew to the football. I really couldn't find mental mistakes on the defensive side of the ball. But I will say that's true about both units, first and second team defense. I was impressed with the second team defense because they made the first team offense work for everything that they got. And rightfully so because it was a bland game plan, but they made them work for everything that they got. And a big part of that is just being in the right position at all the right times, if you're doing that, I mean, 80% of defense for me is just being in the right position and effort. If you do those two things, the other 20%, of course, talent, and that 20% plays a large part in it. If you're not talented, then that 20% could be what exploits you in a football game. But if you're at least in the right position and your head is in the right place in the ball game, you got to be in position to make the play. I don't care how athletically gifted you are. If you're not in the right position, you're not going to be able to make the play. If you're on the other side of the field, if you're not where the football is, you can't make the play the defense was in the right spots at pretty much all the right times on both sides of the ball super impressed and it wasn't like the the second team defensive backs were getting carved up in the air either Bo Nix was only 12 for 20 for how many yards Lance you've got that it was 112 yards I believe yeah, it's not like he got carved up and he was 10 for 13 going into halftime so the second half performance really not a comfortable day for Bo Nix it's not like the backups torched him either so I was super impressed with what the defense did. Pleasantly surprised to see them play that refined of a performance this quickly. It's a good sign for Auburn football on that side of the ball because if they didn't look like that on Saturday, then I might be concerned, like really concerned, going into next season for Auburn because I think the defense is going to have to carry them for a little bit. I think the defense is going to have to pull them through the first four or five games or so until that offense establishes an identity. I say that. They're playing Akron, Georgia State, and Alabama State, three of those teams through the first four or five games. But if you're going to beat Penn State, you're going to need your defense playing lights out, I feel like, because I still don't know if the offense's identity is going to be fully established by the time that they play Penn State. It's going to take that Penn State game to establish the identity because what what does it really do for you that you can – Throw up forty-five points on Alabama State. What does that really do for you?
3: I mean, it doesn't. I mean, go back
1: it, to two thousand seventeen, Georgia Southern game. Auburn still scored in the forties. I think they scored forty-five or something like that against Georgia Southern. Forty-one to seven was the final. Okay, man, we got we got a computer over here. Yep, um, forty-one to seven was the final score. You better be right on that. I know you're going to look it up. Yeah, he's like, he's like, he let me. So confident. He said, I got
3: so much praise. Let me go double check this real quick.
1: Forty-one to seven, final score against I was Georgia. Right. Uh, he's like, yeah, I was right. Uh huh. Like, was <laughs>
3: there <laughs> ever any doubt? Of course, I was right. I was right. <laughs> I doubted
1: myself. He beat wait, the computer. Wait, All right, so forty-one to seven was the final score against Georgia Southern. That game didn't go off without a hitch. I don't think Auburn's offense looked great in that ball game, but even so, they scored forty-one points. Did that mean anything? Because guess what happened a couple weeks later. Or the very next week, guess what happened?
2: 11 sacks.
1: Yes, against Clemson. And then what happened after that? Five turnovers against Mercer. You didn't Woo. really see the team develop an identity offensively until that Missouri game when they, they, they did look flawless against Missouri in game four or five or whatever it was that year. I believe it was game four. Do you remember, computer? Say it again. I'm sorry. Uh, was it was Missouri game four that year? <laughs> um, I believe it was. I think it was game four. I think it was game four. Because Mercer was game three. Okay, so you look at that, and it took them till game four that year. And then even by midseason, you get to the LSU game, and what happened? You only scored 23 points against LSU. So it even took them all the way until late in the year for them to fully flesh out that identity to be a team that could score points against good defenses. Auburn's going to need that defense in that Penn State game if they're going to win it, because it's that Penn State game where Auburn's really going to learn enough information about itself flesh out the offense a little bit more that Penn State game needs to happen Auburn needs some hard times in that Penn State game as long as they learn from it if they learn from it then the offense can be prepared going into Death Valley and it can make Death Valley Happy Valley and Happy Valley can be Death Valley and vice versa you know I mean I'm okay with Happy Valley being a sad place if Death Valley is a happy place when that's your first game in the SEC schedule because Auburn absolutely has to set the tone with a win in Baton Rouge this year. There, there, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. If this is going to be a successful football season for Auburn this upcoming year, you got to win in Baton Rouge. You can't start
3: off SEC play 0-2. Especially when the next game after LSU is Georgia because, I mean, if you lose that LSU game, which is a, is a team looking at it right now on Auburn's schedule that they should beat, and then you look at it and say they drop that game you lose a little confidence, Georgia the team right now is they're not a team that Auburn should beat no they're beat like Auburn can beat them but it's not a team you look at and go this is a team Auburn should win when they play them so if you're dropping at LSU we know we know how long it's been since they've won in Baton Rouge that's already going to be on there people are going to start getting a little antsy because they think that this is the year that they should I agree with that I think this is the year they should win in Baton Rouge but if it doesn't happen again Fans start getting upset, team loses confidence, and oh yeah, you got a date with Georgia next year, which has been the clear number two in the SEC. Can
1: really shake your confidence if you get blown out the next week.
3: Yeah, then you're looking at you drop you drop two games in the SEC to start off. You got an improved Arkansas team, and then Ole Miss after that. Like it could fall off the rails really quick quickly. Granted, you have a bye a bye week uh, sandwiched in there in between that Arkansas Ole Miss game, but it could really go off the rails really quickly if you don't figure out what you're doing offensively. Early on in the year, because if you don't know how to at least somewhat score when you play Georgia, because that they got we talk about how big those dudes are over there at Georgia. They got some athletes. They got a good defense. NFL ready players. NFL ready players. A defense that's going to give them fits you got to be able to score the football. You're th- going to have to be able to.
2: I think Auburn's roster makeup on the defensive side of the football this year, though, it is kind of molded for this 3-4, 4-2-5 look. And I think that's definitely going to help Auburn out on the offensive side of the football because I think the defense is going to be able to stay out on the field a little bit longer. Whenever it comes to games like Penn State, it's a perfect tune-up game. It's not an SEC opponent. It is going to be a hostile road environment. But I think Auburn can definitely win that game. As far as the LSU game goes, you know, that's another winnable SEC game but to open up SEC play on the road in Baton Rouge where you haven't won since 1999 it's going to be a physically demanding game if you want to win and then you have to turn right back around and play Georgia at home who I would argue is the most physical team in the SEC probably not the best team in the SEC because you've got Alabama but I would I would say that Georgia is a more physical team than, than Alabama is and if you get beaten up in that game you have to go and you have to play like Levi said an improved Arkansas team and I understand they lost their top receiver in Mike Woods to Oklahoma just a couple of actually was today, I believe. Um, oh, wow. I was like, you were
1: w- about to say a couple of days ago, and then you're like, a couple hours ago. Couple
2: I'm of hours glad you ago, said actually. that because I was
3: talking about Mike Woods yesterday. And I was like, he was still on the team yesterday as far as I knew.
1: He uh, he announced
2: his commitment to Oklahoma, I think, an hour or so ago, but he transferred just a couple of days ago. And then you get that bye week, and then you'll get time to heal. So Auburn's early SEC schedule is going to be daunting if they can't find out things on the offensive side of the football. Like Levi said, you got to be able to score points against the team you can score points against. And moving moving forward past that, you got to be able to kind of build off of that and you got to be able to put points on the board against LSU. It's
1: definitely not the kindest schedules, but when is it ever? But this is a year and I, but with that being said, what could be Auburn's greatest challenge at the start of the SEC schedule could be Auburn's greatest opportunity. Could be Auburn's greatest it, it, it could be a catapult, it could be a launching pad. It could end up being a huge victory and a huge momentum booster. It could it could ignite the fire for this football team to do something that maybe some people aren't expecting them to do. So I, I, I don't think it's something that should be concerning just because Auburn has to go Baton Rouge start of the year. Rise to the challenge.
0: You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back.
1: Back on all the line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater – and Lance Dahl with us in the studio, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, Analysis News and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com. And on Facebook, that's FoxSports983.com. Phone lines are open. Number to call 334-321-1390, 334-321-1390. Thirteen ninety—a litany of rules in college football being discussed as well as in the nfl and everywhere else because everybody's having their meetings right now to discuss the more boring things in sports but occasionally you get some fun news and yesterday and heading into today you get some fun news about possibly some rule changes in good off-season discourse because this is going to bring up us talking about expansion and the college football playoff we want more teams as I, th- I think they should get more teams in, but well, I don't some, know some to what extent.
2: Do. Yeah, the Sting. Sting is uh, sitting. Yeah, in Sting's a different like, boat. let's go back
1: to the BCS. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Get off oh. my lawn! Let's go back to the BCS, Sonny. That was my day. We we had to climb the poles, going up the street both ways.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree I mean, with this it. I want the man. B- I want the, his position. All the BCS <laughs> rankings. But I want uh, the BCS computer system. I want the, the committee. Play. Yes. I hate the committee. Right the committee's yeah. awful. Yeah, committee they, can go. committee's terrible. Yeah, They're awful. Because they, every year they're like, oh, well, we think this team looks better. It's like, okay, why are we playing the games then?
1: I don't think the rankings were I, – I, I really don't think that the rankings were that far off. Now, of course, Auburn fans are going to bring up 2004, which is fair. But the SEC hadn't quite turned into the conference that it is now. And, of course, Auburn got in at 2010. It's not, they le- not like they left them out then. Of course, different situation – it was not USC and Oklahoma surrounded them in the polls. It, it very, very difficult to just use that one year back in '04. And yes, Auburn was, I believe, one of the two best teams in the country. And if there was a committee, probably would have played for the next. I, You see, I and, don't even know if I, I can say probably how, would have played because I, I could have seen a committee even putting Oklahoma in that year.
3: And that's how I feel about like if because the BCS rankings like they weren't always perfect, but they were pretty close. So if you have an expanded playoff field, it kind of fixes that problem because like in that situation Auburn would be in the playoff Oklahoma would be in the playoff but You'd to be teams. fair
1: is the committee getting it wrong in the rankings now
3: no that's the like it's just so I don't, I not don't even always know if you need
1: to go back to the computers not I would say always. not always I think they get it right every year the one year where anybody actually had gripes was the year that Ohio State won in 2014 and of course that was the first year of the playoff and, and everybody's like team. this isn't right you left the Big 12 out what about Baylor and TCU this isn't right and then Ohio State won the national championship
3: I mean, mean, that's fair. That's fair to say that. I just, I would like to see a better representation of some schools that aren't just the big names and the money makers. Like, I I would like.
1: You just want to see more teams because it's fun to watch.
3: I want to see UCF be able to make it.
1: See, but you know good and well that they're not one of the four best teams in the country. But you don't care about that. You would just rather enjoy watching more football. I'm okay with that because that's the NCAA tournament model. The NCAA tournament. Does mm-hmm. not put sixty-eight teams into a field and battle it out in a battle royale and say finish them. And they're not
3: like, and it's not always the best sixty-eight teams because you're. I mean, you're getting. You're smaller not getting
1: teams. the top two in the title.
3: Hey, most, most years, most, most year you did. Most years, but not most years, most years you don't even get the best team really that wins. Like you don't get a true representation. On average,
1: on average, one one seed. Not even really. It's actually like point nine, uh, like like zero point nine one seeds make the NCAA tournament championship every year not even not even not even a whole one seat makes it every year in the NCAA tournament title game I was doing all that research for my bracket this past year like that that should tell you that the best team in college basketball does not make it every year so at least that you admit that you're looking for more of an entertaining product than necessarily the best way to decide
3: a champion and the way I see it is that if you expand it to at least the way I see it you could do eight teams you get your five power five Uh, champions in there because it then it brings back relevance to the conference championship game which has been lost with this and then you just get the next three best teams or the next three highest ranked teams and that will open the door for some of the smaller teams to sneak in but i think football is a much more cut and dry game you don't see as many upsets in college football like basketball the best players you're winning more likely than not like you can catch an upset but towards you know typically it goes pretty chalk like basketball you can beat anybody any day baseball you can beat anybody any day there's more ways to overcome gaps in athleticism
1: and basketball than there is in football at the end
3: of the day yes. you got to hit
1: somebody in football and if you're bigger and faster that's a problem
3: and that's why i think that that kind of model would work it'd be more entertaining right you would get some guys like the UCFs, the, the boise states even the western michigans of the pj fleck era. you would get them in there would they win probably not would at least show where they are where they stand because you don't really get a true representation when you see UCF play Auburn in a game where Auburn's not going to show up because they had playoff or they had you know playoff aspirations. Right. That's UCF Super Bowl right there. And injuries. And, and then you have injuries to your best player. Like that's not a true representation. Or like an Alabama Utah in the Sugar Bowl years ago in 2008. Like right. those games aren't true representations because one team doesn't care. The other team that's their national championship.
1: I think it's time for. And I saw this back in the fall, and I talked about it on on the line back then as well. When it was just a when it was just a once a week a podcast with Jeremy Law, we talked about this a little bit because there was the Night Group, I believe that that's the name that the, that they're called. Uh, am I, Levi, I know you're getting on that, but I think it's called the Night Group. They like review collegiate athletics and then other institutions and things like that. And they suggested that the. Power conferences or the FBS, I believe they said the FBS needed to split from the NCAA and do their own thing football-wise, and I would be in favor of a split for the FBS away and then the power conferences have a national championship and the group of five have a national championship because you can't tell me that any of those group of five teams are relevant in terms of being able to win a national championship.
2: No, but again, like Levi say, I think we're, I think I have the exact same opinion as Levi. I just want to see it more for the, the sake of seeing UCF or somebody like that get in and just get the chance to compete. And I understand they're not going to win, but if they do win, it's like March Madness. It's that upset factor. It's just like, it's going it's to be talked about. There's going to be a lot of publicity and then there's going to be a lot of revenue But what happens be when they get
1: steamrolled? Well,
3: it's flattened. Made, I mean, there are going to be years where that happens, but the way right. I see it it's is... It's going to happen you, every year. I don't know I don't, about that. I don't, think that. I don't know about that. Like, I mean, some of these teams actually get talent, and you have good coaching. If you can, and this is this is another thing that I like from this. If you do get this position, say this team wins, that's a program booster. Right. You then go from seeing a team like UCF, where you know they're in the American Athletic Conference. Say they go to a couple playoff games and they win a couple playoff games, or they just are traditionally they keep making it to the playoff games and are competitive. If they keep going and getting steamrolled, this doesn't work. But say at least they're competitive in those games. Then you start seeing some bigger conferences. are calling like, hey, maybe we can come get some of this Orlando market. Maybe the yeah. ACC comes calling. Maybe the SEC comes calling.
2: All of a sudden, you kick out Missouri because they shouldn't be here to begin with.
3: Yeah, and you have a team like UCF in there bringing you an Orlando market. Yeah, and you St. Ha-
1: Louis economic market.
2: That's oh, yeah. why they're there.
3: There's a reason people want – there's a reason every time you think about college expansion that Charlotte's name gets brought up for the SEC because it gets that Charlotte market into the SEC program, knowing good and well they couldn't hang with the football programs. I mean, they're in the Sun Belt right now, or Conference USA. One of those two, CUSA, I believe. Yeah, they used to be in the Sun Belt. Why not just take a North Carolina or a Duke? They're not going to leave the ACC. They're they're cemented. I know, in there. but
1: I definitely should not bring Charlotte. Hey, to the
5: SEC. Hey,
3: I mean that every time. Like I'm telling you, every time they start talking about it, Charlotte's name gets brought up, and it's always wild to me. Them in Virginia Tech.
5: Let's go back to ten team conferences.
3: No. <laughs> yes. Come on. Super conferences. No. I want the no, Super I want the super League I
5: want to play the entire SEC again I mm. want
3: the Super League that's what I want I want the Super League that would be fun
5: no it would not be <laughs> I like having those cupcake games though it's just
2: that may be just a personal thing but I just like having those cupcake games in between tough tough games and bye weeks to kind of get things back on track and actually watch your team you know flex their muscles and just just beat the snot out of somebody It's just entertaining to watch
1: of course the genesis of this conversation today college football playoff talks of expansion the subcommittee presented expansion scenarios today ranging from six to 16 teams at least they're not taking the mike leach route and saying let's put 64 teams onto the same field and let's let's uh let's break it down that way because i think that would be detrimental to the game i think the further you get away from four the worse it gets for college football there's there Four is getting the job done right now of giving you the best team, winning the national championship, but also keeping the integrity of the regular season and the conference championships. Six, I'm okay with because it lets more teams in. You have first round games, and then you got a couple teams who get buys, right? And then you get the round, of, and then you got four teams left, and then you got the national championship. But the more games that you add to the postseason here. The fewer games that you, you you lose games in the regular season, which most teams are going to have a problem with, because ninety-seven percent of college football, it's not playing in that in that group right. of teams that are playing and that they lost regular season games, mm-hmm. which is revenue. Right. So I, I don't see a reason to expand past six, and get to adding a whole nother round after that, with eighteen. Te- I mean eight teams maybe, but past eight, like I I don't understand ten or. Or 16 or anything like that because then you start shaving off seasons which is revenue for majority of college football teams and then again the other side of this is you're going to say well you're playing an extra there's more money in the college football playoff that's then going to be re-siphoned out to the conferences that will then be siphoned out to each of the individual teams in the conference so maybe i, I don't know if that makes up for losing a ball game at home or something like that every year but i like college football the way it is i, I don't know why we have to go further than this think what they've got right now is working I think you're getting the best I think you're getting the best teams in the playoff every year
2: I think it's working but again like Levi said I would just like to see it because I think it would be fun I understand logistically it's not going to it's not going to produce the best end result because it's going to be like because most likely teams like UCF are going to get blown out group of five teams that would potentially make it are going to get blown out but I would it would be fun surface level concept it would be really fun to just see it's like the spring game thing where you would like to see Auburn potentially play somebody outside of themselves maybe like a Georgia Tech for a spring game scrimmage it would be fun in concept but at the end of the end of the day there are a lot of issues that could potentially spring from it that just would not be beneficial for college football as a whole. But it would be exciting, but I understand why the four-team playoff is is staying the way
3: it
1: is for a few years. It's also safer.
3: I mean, four teams are safer, let's be honest. And that, that's the name of the game now is to keep the kids safe.
1: 30 minutes through hour number two of On the Line. You got 30 more minutes coming your way. Stay with us.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. back on on the line 30 minutes left in today's show
1: here on espn 1067 and on fox sports central alabama follow espn 1067 on facebook and twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station the max roundtable on the line to drive with bill cameron analysis news and more seven hours of local sports talk radio that's all on espn 1067 find the website on espnau.com phone lines are open 334-321-1390 we want to hear from you we're just discussing College football playoff expansion and not in kind of the generic way and the way that there were actually scenarios today presented to the subcommittee for the college football playoff and anywhere ranging from six to 16 teams. Where does the sweet spot lie in that, gentlemen?
3: um how many teams are in college football right now i'm trying to figure
1: 127 out 127
2: if i'm not I'm mistaken. telling you we got a computer so right i'm here. down
3: with 127 team playoff i think you just start at the beginning of the year and you just work Every your way game out you
1: lose you get eliminated
2: battle royale style.
3: Is yes. Last standing, yes wins. i love it yes that's what i want alabama opens up the year you don't
1: know who you're playing until after week one like it's just yes. a random like you throw everybody in randomize it and then if you win then you advance, and you're in the pot for the next week. And then it's random again, all the way down to the end. Bl- but somebody's going to get a bye week, because once again, 127 not divisible it by two. It might actually be
2: 130, because I believe they've added a couple. I think I'm thinking of uh, returning production, and they only had 100, 127 because like a few teams didn't didn't play last
3: season. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. It, it Computers great. are never wrong. It is 130. Yeah, yeah. All right, 130 playoff. Let's go. Start at the beginning of the year. Computer, yeah, Battle Royale. Style everything. it out. Still not divisible exponentially down right like you I mean, I say, I'm, we'll, we'll generate not, it doesn't perfectly we'll, we'll generate a bracket alabama starts off with umass everybody's gonna be happy about that i mean i'm sure they're probably the worst team in football if i was to take a stab at who's the worst or they're playing rice or somebody i mean that's a fun game everybody wants to see alabama rice opening weekend
1: just whoever's the last standing at the end is the national champion the beginning
3: of the season is going to be miserable but the end of the season is going to be amazing
1: that's exciting that's an exciting concept Someone who has I'm trying like, to contemplate how I can apply this theory to a video game.
3: I, I wish that someone could, uh, like, I wish, so, I wish I was good at coding. I would go like Credit mod game that way, yeah. mod NCAA football, and just like add just a full pot type of season like that. That'd be so fun. I would love that. It's kind of the soccer competition model
1: overseas, of course not not in the actual regular season, but they have various cups and it's your opponent is randomized it's not a pure bracket it's randomized per each round and then it's just whoever's last standing at the end so that not would, anymore we got the super team coming huh
3: we super got league the, shot super, down bro i know i know i wish the fans saved the game they didn't save the game they made it worse I, mean, I don't you, think so. I mean, you're telling me I get to watch Man City play some dude I've never, somebody I've never heard of before, some you know Tottenham Hotspur. Whoa, they are! Right, uh, yeah, I'm and then or I could watch Man City and Liverpool play every week or Chelsea and. I mean, that'd be awesome. Like if if I don't have to watch the Jags in the NFL, I'm happy. I don't see why soccer <laughs> fans are mad that they don't have to watch you know Everton anymore.
1: It would have it would have significantly ruined it would have it would have changed the game I think in a there, negative way but is, I'm not getting into this no people shift, don't care
3: yeah that's true I care <laughs> we care but most our listeners don't care about the Super League over there that didn't get to happen
1: but drawing the comparison here I think it could be detrimental to college football if they make such a dramatic change with this I don't think that the college football playoff necessarily needs needs more teams just for the sake of more teams
3: I do. I don't, think it, I don't think it benefits. Like, I don't think it makes you, like... I think it only hurts. I don't think it makes that, like, it's not... Four's enough to figure out who the champion is and who the best team is. It's just, like, I think it helps from fans. Like, it just gives you more games to watch. You can shorten up the regular season a bit. You could probably drop the regular season down to about 10 games, have an 18 playoff, and I think that works out a little bit better.
1: I don't want less games in the regular season. I do. Once again, 97%. <laughs> what do you mean you do? 97% of college football... Maybe even more than that will not play in the postseason. Yeah, and so you just—that's their problem. You just got—that's Auburn's problem right now. <laughs>
3: I mean, that's what I'm saying. Be, get better. So
1: you're okay with giving up two games? Make the playoffs. I thought you're—I
3: thought you're in favor of more football. You're contradicting yourself here. No, I'm trying to—I'm trying to make it where it's a safe alternative because you can't just do like the NFL and Roger Goodell and just have a blind spot and say, oh, Hey, you could? I mean, you could. You could be like, Hey, we really care about safety. Let's add another regular season game. Like, I don't want to be that guy because, you know.
1: They got rid of a preseason game, though.
3: Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. That preseason game. Yeah. Roger Goodell, that clown. Get him out of here. What's he done?
1: Lance, you've been quiet
2: yeah I I think I'm in the I think I'm in the boat with you I think it would be fun conceptually to have more teams in the playoff but at the end of the day I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of benefits like you say I feel like the further we get away from four the worse college football is going to be because what is what is the playoff meant for it's meant for the best teams to go out there and compete for a national title and I don't think that there are more than three or four teams in college football right now that could consistently compete for a national title because there are only three teams right now that can recruit perform and, and have a coaching staff that that could that are national title worthy and those again we've talked about this a lot alabama ohio state and um and in clemson and then you could kind of throw in Oklahoma there, and then maybe teams like LSU or, or Auburn, like every other year. But again, not consistent enough to expand the playoff to eight teams because those teams are never going to consistently overthrow the Alabamas, the Ohio States, and the Clemson.
1: And also, your argument of well, make the playoff, make the playoff now.
3: I say I don't disagree with that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that this would make it better. Like this wouldn't determine the champion any better. I just think it adds a little bit more fun to it and it right. It trims the fat on some of those games. Again, I know what you're gonna say. I'd rather see it's,
1: I'd rather see more competitive bowl games than see more teams in the playoff. And here's my and I know that, that doesn't sound right, but look, man, Alabama, you, you 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 laid out the teams that Alabama and everybody else would have played in an eighteen playoff this year. Yeah.
3: Wouldn't have been very I mean, this one, been been this one would have been this one would have been fun, but I think those rankings also change. I think they because let's be honest. They they do a lot of their rankings for matchups at this point. Like the way like in my model Florida would have been 8 and you would have saw an Alabama Florida rematch, they would have shifted those rankings around to not have that because yep. let's be honest, it's all about money for them. Yep. This the one thing I say is like you look at Auburn's schedule next year. If you have a 10 team schedule or a 10 game schedule with an 18 playoff, you cut Akron, you cut Alabama State, and I mean, you cut out those boring games at least for me you say alabama florida wouldn't be a good matchup but you forget about the sec championship well no i'm saying it's a good match i'm saying but you wouldn't want to watch that again you again. want you want that back to back like if alabama and florida played earlier in the season yeah that's fine but like they wouldn't have scheduled that game to happen right sec after. championship and then in the playoffs like they'd flip those rankings a bit just every to year accommodate.
1: every single season we are getting a blowout in the first round of the playoff Every oh, yeah. single year, well, that's insert, Oklahoma's fault. Insert no, or, or Notre Dame. Uh, Notre that's Dame both and of Oklahoma their fault. Are are coming in and getting blown
2: out.
3: They're the Spider Man. They're the Spider Man. <laughs>
2: they're, they're not enough teams outside of those three that consistently beat. So why expand? Right. So why, why not just expand? get more some fun. really it's, good? Bowl, it's more fun. But, but at the end of the day, day that it, it, yeah. so that's
3: they're not making the good bowl matchups. They're doing bowl matchups off of money. They don't care about what teams higher rank. They just want to see who has the most money. What what's gonna draw? Let's put Oklahoma and Alabama in a Sugar Bowl. What was that, twenty thirteen? Let's put Alabama and Oklahoma when Oklahoma was ten and Alabama was three. Like they went, wait. and Oklahoma ends up winning that game. But like it, <laughs> like and that's a pretty not, good game too. But that's not a game. Like most, like most of the time, it doesn't work out that way. Oregon and Iowa State this past year. Oregon was like twenty fifth in the country, had to play the eleventh team in Ohio or in Iowa State, get blown out. In the that Fiesta was an ball. auto bid though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you shift those around. You don't need auto bids for bowl games. You just get the best teams.
1: That's fair. I just that doesn't apply to the conversation about the but playoff. Say, let's but get but good. Let's get good but.
3: bowl matchups instead of. But then just I'll, Oregon, in the Oregon would have been in the playoff, and I wouldn't have to worry about them in the bowl games. You'd have a better bowl matchup to appease you. You'd have a good bowl matchup because you'd get Oregon in the playoffs, and they can get beat up there in the playoffs. Wait, what? <laughs> cuz you said you wanted better bowl matchups, Oregon would in my model, they would have won the Pac-12 and then been in the playoffs. So you wouldn't have to worry about seeing them in a bowl game.
1: <laughs> or let's just match Oregon up with somebody that's more on their playing on their on their playing field. Because that Oregon team was like a game above five hundred or something like that when they got a,
3: to be it, fair, they played like what three games, they four played games, like six, they played and six, seven, yeah. and they were
1: like three and three going into the Pac twelve title game. Pac, I'm pretty sure the they fault. only placed,
5: got into the Pac twelve title game because the team above them couldn't. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they, was, that is because Washington they did didn't not get yeah. win the Pac twelve. I, I think
3: we, I think we figured out the real problem though with expanding the playoffs. It's not that expanding the playoffs would be a bad idea. It's just the fact that right now, as it currently stands. There's not enough teams to justify that. There's not enough consistent teams to justify it if you're going at it from the we want to make sure we get the best team. Nobody's competing outside of the, the three top teams in Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State consistently enough to justify that. The like, BCS
1: got it right most of the time.
3: And the playoff has
1: been getting it right, I would say, every time. And I, I have no complaints with
3: the college football playoff, what they've done. I've got no complaints. I ha- the only complaints I have is the fact that Oklahoma and Notre Dame keep making it, and I don't like. I but then, who
1: else are you? Got? But like right. as I'm saying, we look, you're splitting hairs here no, though yeah. at
3: four. So why would you want to expand it to get more
1: garbage into the playoff when what's already at four is garbage? There's not yeah. enough parity. There's not enough parity.
3: I'd rather I'd rather watch Alabama and I don't know Cincinnati than watch Alabama State and Auburn play. Like cut those two games out and just give me a bigger playoff. I feel like those games, even if they're blowouts, I'd still rather see them.
5: But it goes back to what Lance is saying right there. He's totally right about there just only being three actual teams.
1: No, it's not more parity. Like, so, even so, if you expand it, it doesn't make more parity. It just adds it, it just adds right. more
2: unqualified so that, teams to the it playoffs. It gives a exactly chance right. for more parity. Well, though. see, it gives a chance for more parity, but what we've seen in the past is whenever teams like UCF do get their chance, they get blown out. Teams like Cincinnati couldn't beat Georgia last season during their bowl game, and that was their Super and Bowl. They were close. What, was, what was Georgia necessarily playing for other than to get JT Daniels some more reps? They're playing in the college football playoff. That game may not be that close. No. That's
3: what I'm saying, no. but we don't know. That's why I'm here for it. it I'm just, here to see if it works works it probably doesn't and but see, it's just more fun exactly more conceptually games, more
2: fun. it's more fun but still we don't want to see more blowouts because it's more likely for you to get blowouts in these in these 1-8 seed matchups than in let's say college basketball it's but, like there, it's, there's more potential for upset in basketball than in football you were talking and about. and I don't
1: want to
3: sacrifice the integrity of the sport in the regular season well you're only sacrificing like two, the way in the way I'm thinking of, you're only sacrificing two non-conference games that don't matter in y'all's argument y'all don't want to see blowouts well you're, you're less
1: likely to get fun non-conference matchups that way that's though. revenue for smaller smaller
2: yeah schools. i see i
3: knew that one was coming <laughs> i was waiting for that i was waiting for that argument because that does that does hurt the small yeah it's revenue
2: for smaller schools to potentially get closer to playing with i was those hoping teams y'all weren't gonna throw there. that one on me so.
1: also on top of that you you're you're the big teams are not going to want to schedule high state oregon wouldn't happen this year if you only get one non-conference that's game. fine it might it's happen in happen the playoffs yet. then See, I I like that in the regular season. I don't want to sacrifice the integrity of the regular season just to maybe give a group of five team a chance to upset somebody in one round of the playoff. It's for the best teams
2: to Elitist.
3: Y'all are just elitist.
0: (laughs) On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7.
1: Wrapping up another week of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Once again, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. Only for just a little bit longer, eight minutes left in this week's On the Line. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck will follow us, as they do every weekday from 4 to 6, right here once again on ESPN 106.7. And on Fox Sports, Central Alabama talked for the last two segments about playoff expansion because they've been presenting new scenarios about expansion to the college football playoff subcommittee. So that's interesting news, and it seems like they're actually really considering it. And I would be willing to bet that they probably do expand, if any. They probably do expand, and I hope they don't expand too much because it, it will destroy, in my opinion, the integrity of college football and the college football regular season. I can see J. is tweeting now, but your regular season means something because he's always super defensive about college basketball, which I kind of understand, but also sometimes he's a little too much. But <laughs> still, nonetheless, Auburn baseball taking on Florida this upcoming weekend. The Florida Gators coming to town. The Saturday game postponed a bit. Um, that, that game postponed from noon tomorrow to 6 p.m. Guys, mathematically once again this is where we stand auburn has to win every series from here out and how they have to sweep somebody just to get to 13 wins where are you guys at on this
3: i mean predictions for the weekend i don't think they get it done i think it's i, I think florida probably wins a series i think auburn takes one uh but i think florida probably wins a series two one and i think we can finally put the season to bed and realize that it's just not happening
2: there's a part of me that I don't really like to show on air a whole lot, and that is the the, uh, the negative, negative Auburn fan in me. That's and, what I just show with I, the negative Auburn. And fan. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be really negative here for a second. I have I have had hope in this Auburn baseball team uh, consistently. Y'all uh, we, we have seen that on this show how every time I've you I've predicted Auburn to, uh, to at least take a game or to 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 get to one or even two sweep. you've
1: been taking two out of yeah. the last couple weekends <laughs> or,
2: or potentially even sweep I, I've had a lot of faith in this baseball team and let's just let's let, let's look at it logistically guys this baseball team is not very good because their bullpen is not very good um Auburn actually there was an interesting stat that I saw the other day as far as the bats are concerned I'll just pull it up here for you real quick um Auburn is second in the SEC in the fewest number of strikeouts taken. They're second in the SEC behind Mississippi State, so it's not the bats, it's not the defense. They lead the country in double plays right now. It's the bullpen, and Auburn's not going to be able to continue to play well if they can't get past this these these bullpen issues. I think Florida is going to sweep this this series because their bats are are, are strong, and I just I don't see Auburn pulling one out here. Uh, the season is kind of over in my mind I'm just kind of resetting just kind of waiting for for next year to see what what this baseball team can potentially do because I know Butch Thompson is a good
1: coach it's going to look a lot different next year though a lot of these guys are gone
2: yeah and a lot of these guys which which leaves room for concern but that we'll cross that bridge whenever we get to it next year but uh, all that to say I hate to be incredibly negative on air but I'm going to take Florida to sweep this game because the numbers and just the the momentum just does not add up for Auburn.
1: Cody Greenhill moved back to the bullpen Richard Fitz back into the starting lineup when your two starters are both guys with ERAs above seven it's a tough look tough look which kind of that the signal of intent I think for Greenhill going back to the bullpen speaks a little bit more to like look it doesn't matter how good our starting pitching is if the bullpen 90 percent of the time it maybe up. more is going to is going to blow it up and Auburn's bats haven't been so good this year. They've been good, but they haven't been so good that they have been able to give Auburn great leads, even with good starting pitching. Right? It's still you're playing with a with a very small lead, two two runs maybe, and then the bullpen. That's enough for them to blow it. Right? It's not like you're out here smashing the ball around the yard and then like you got a big lead and then it's the bullpen blowing like nine run games, which we have seen. No lead is safe right now with Auburn baseball. But Auburn has conceded. Look, our starting pitching will be average but now we need help in the bullpen because something we have to we have to close down a lead they they are they are now going into the 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 side of thinking here that their bats have to win them some games and then hopefully with a guy like Greenhill and maybe Barnett on a good day, Carson Skipper on a good day, maybe some of these bullpen guys on a great day that can help them lock down these leads. And maybe this is for the formula that gets them that gets it done, but it's a tough weekend to be sending your best starter to the bullpen. When you're facing one of the best offensive teams that the SEC has to offer, especially over the last couple of weeks, this Florida team can hit top to bottom. Most guys are like more than half the lineups batting 290 or higher. Man. Four of those guys, I believe, are above 300. And then you get down to the, to the bottom of the order. The, the bottom of the order in the Florida lineups hit 260. The bottom of the order in the Auburn lineups hit like 215. You know, it, it's it's a it's a different it's a different <laughs> it's a different ball game when you're looking at this Florida team and how they're built. Now is this Florida team hittable? Yes, their their pitchers are, but their pitchers are still decent, right? Like they're all they're all sporting around a three five ERA, like they're they're decent. They're not seven ERA at the moment. But at it, some point, these guys have to step up in the pin. Hey. At some point, you got to pick your head up and say, "I've got to be better than this," and you gotta you gotta be accountable and you actually got to do it. And I think there's talent in these arms. Richard Fitz was lauded as a first round pick. It's not happening now. Jack Owen was a really solid piece coming into this year. He's gonna have to figure it out. Cody Greenhill has been doing fine. Mason Barnett's got to go back to his form that he had at the beginning of the season. All of these pitchers have to play like their talent. They are not playing at their talent level at the moment, and they've they've got to they've got to go back to playing what they're capable of at some point. You gotta quit feeling sorry for yourself. You gotta quit. You gotta quit with the confidence. You gotta find a way to get your confidence and your swag back. Sometimes that 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 you know. Sometimes it never happens.
3: And even if like you don't, even say like you drop like the series this weekend, you still have to keep going throughout the year. Like show that you have a little bit going forward, especially for for the guys who are coming back next year. You got to show something down the stretch. Show that you're not just gonna lay down and just give up on this season. Because
1: and I don't think Auburn has given. Up I don't on the think so either. They I just, played
3: really hard. That's what I'm saying. I don't think they have. I don't want them to say like this weekend you lose and then you lose a series and you're thinking well now there's really no shot at us getting into the postseason and then you give up because this team has been so resilient at least in terms of not giving up. I don't want to see that happen down the stretch. But I mean, it's going to have to come from the bullpen if they want to win these games. You got to have the bullpen. And look, I've been I've been burned every week. When we say this is the weekend they turn it around, I'm hoping that the negative approach from me, kind of that reverse <laughs> psychology, like I come on here and I say, yeah, there's no shot Auburn wins this series this weekend. And then they, you know, they sweep Florida because that's just how it goes whenever you put a stamp on something and try to pick it. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping from coming at it from that pessimistic perspective, just, you know, the laws of the universe sort of will Auburn to win because they want me to be wrong.
1: I'm going Auburn wins tonight. I don't know if they win another one, but I, I'm, I'm going to say Auburn
3: wins tonight. I hope so. I mean, or at least I hope they win tonight. I'm not sure that they can win. I don't know if they can do, get to. I don't know. It, it all depends on the bullpen and if they can hit. It's a hittable Florida pitching rotation, but you still got to do it. You still got to show that you got the bats. And like Auburn, you
1: said, you got to do it down the stretch. Auburn Probables tonight Jack Owen, senior lefty, going against junior right handed pitcher Franco Ailman. 4.06 ERA for the Gators. That does it for another week of On the Line. We'll be back on Monday. You know where to find us.